our sermon text tonight is from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. This is God's holy word. Let us pay attention to it. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the, and the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them, again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, And who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or land for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. By your word, you have revealed to us the nature of the kingdom of God. That is... Lord, we cannot work for it, and we just receive it. And be with us, Lord, and help us change our mind, uh, and we will truly know that. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So the word, the question that the disciples asked Jesus, who then can be saved, is a question that has been asked by many people in all ages. Nowadays, we often hear people say, I'm bored. We even hear it from the mouths of little kids. It doesn't mean that people have nothing more to do in this life. People just want to express a feeling that they are kind of lost without purpose and meaning at that moment. So man being made in God's image, he's a rational and moral creature. Even after the fall, man remains moral, remains rational. And that's why no one can really stop thinking 
of the meaning and purpose of his life in this world. Expressions like being bored or be boring indicate a dissatisfaction in man's life. Something is lacking in this life. And what is that thing? Our passage tells us that, that the thing man lacks is the eternal life. The sense of eternity is what God has put in man at creation. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. So the young man in our passage believes in the in eternal life. He knows that this earthly life is short, and that's why he comes to Jesus, asking him about how to possess eternal life. The rich young man must have thought much about eternal life. We can tell that he has been seriously seeking to possess eternal life by all his efforts. He told Jesus that he has kept all the commandments since his youth. That's amazing. The time of youth is often wasted, but this man made the most out of his youth time. That means he has been a virtuous and religious man since his youth. Besides that, he's also a success according to the standard of this world. He's young and rich and even has power. That means he's abundant in material. Though this rich young man is almost a perfect model example in man's eyes. Where can we find such a guy? who is young, rich, yet very humble and virtuous. To be honest, few people could obtain a life like this rich young man. So we will ask, what more can be added to this life? And what else does this man lack? However, this young man is not content with his current life. As you can see, he is bothered by one thing, a cruel reality, which is death. So he wants eternal life. He longs for eternal life, which is the only way to avoid death. No doubt that he is a sincere seeker of eternal life. When he heard about Jesus and his message about the kingdom of God, this young man got thrilled because Jesus seemed to have the answer for eternal life. So what he did in our passage is very, very uh, rigorous. He ran up to Jesus and he knelt down before Jesus and asked Jesus how he could inherit eternal life. It is another word. It is another question. It is another question of who can be saved, how I can be saved. This is actually a gospel one-on-one question. I think Sunday school kids will know the answer. Believe in Jesus, and you will have eternal life. Eternal life, isn't it? 
However, Jesus did not reply with the answer we expected. Instead, Jesus pointed to the Ten Commandments. What does Jesus mean? We know that the Ten Commandments are a comprehensive summary of God's moral law. It is a law that was written on the heart of Adam. And God's commandment to Adam was of this law. And only by keeping the law perfectly can Adam live. Of course, Adam was alive at that time. But the life God promised through this keeping of the law is eternal life. Which will be a reward to Adam based on his perfect obedience. So, Jesus' reply indicates that keeping the true spirit of the law guarantees eternal life. In other words, the standard God set for Adam to inherit eternal life still stands. Jesus came not to abolish the law, and obedience is still required for obtaining eternal life. And we can tell that the rich young man must be excited to hear Jesus' answer as he believed that he had perfectly kept the Ten Commandments. And Jesus was pleased with the young man for his obedience of the law, and we saw that Jesus loved him. And Jesus has his affection for him. Probably the rich young man was expecting to hear Jesus' praise and affirmation of eternal life, such as, well done, to you belongs eternal life. But Jesus' word tells him that he's not able to inherit eternal life. Yet, as he lacks one thing, and which is selling everything and give them to the poor and follow Jesus. Firstly, we should know that this is a concrete commandment specifically for this man. It is not meant to be applied literally to every one of us. In other words, Jesus set this commandment to challenge this young man. Jesus did not hide the hard truth that following him is a great cost. But at the same time, Jesus also reveals to him that the high cost in this life for the sake of Christ will be a high reward in heaven. And that is eternal life. So when the man hears Jesus' commandment, what is his reaction? He was disheartened. It literally means that his face falling down. It indicates that he is in a great dilemma. What is happening in this man's heart is that he wants to keep everything that he has in this world. And he also wants to inherit eternal life. He does not want, he does not want to let go of all the things he has now. But Jesus' word does not allow him to have both things. It is an either-or choice. You may wonder why we cannot have both. Wouldn't it be better, wouldn't it be great that we can have both in this life? We have 
the things of the world, and we also have the eternal uh, eternal life after death. That would be perfect. It's a win-win. But Jesus says no. Why? Because no one can serve two masters. For either we will, he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Matthew 24. Oh, Matthew, uh, I think chapter 6, 24. Also, Jesus clearly tells his disciples that the reason he cannot get along well with the world is that he is not of this world. And his kingdom is not from this world as well. And that's the fundamental reason that we cannot serve the world and Christ at the same time. Because they are two different kingdoms. They're two different worlds. The rich man did his own calculation. And finally, he made his decision to keep his current rich life. At the same time, his act is a rejection of eternal life. Is he happy with this result? Is he happy with his choice? No, not at all. He left Jesus sorrowful. Then you will ask why. If he's not happy with that choice, he can go with the other one. No, he can't. You know, the man does see Jesus and does hear the message of the kingdom of God. And that's the reason he came to Jesus, which means he has seen Jesus. He has heard the message, but he does not perceive it nor understand it. He did not expect that obtain eternal life. It's that simple, just by following Christ. At the same time, he did not expect that obtaining, obtaining eternal life is that hard. He must follow Christ at all costs. He cannot just understand this. This is not how fallen world think of eternal life. This is not, this is not how fallen men think of eternal life. As fallen men, we think that eternal life can be added to this life, which means we can continue enjoying everything we have in this world, in eternity, isn't it? This is all other religions of the world would offer. But Jesus tells us that eternal life has nothing to do with this world and this life. It belongs to a whole other world. And in fact, eternal life is the same thing as the kingdom of God. Look at what Jesus said to his disciples here. How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man, a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Three times Jesus emphasized the kingdom of God. And it was said to, uh, as a response to this rich young man's request 
of eternal life. Clearly, Jesus identifies the notion of the kingdom of God with the notion of eternal life. And later in our passage, Jesus also identifies the notion of the kingdom of God with the notion of salvation. After disciples heard Jesus saying these words, they said, then who can be saved? So in other words, the kingdom of God, eternal life, and being saved are used interchangeably to mean one thing. However, the notion of the kingdom of God is the most important one of all. Jesus puts most emphasis on that notion because it converts and converts abstract notions of eternal life and salvation into a concrete thing, the kingdom of God. When hearing the kingdom of God, it is implied that the kingdom of God cannot be of this world, but of God. It is heavenly, not earthly. It is holy, not fallen. It is everlasting, not short-lived. It is clear that the kingdom of God is a whole other world. The world, it is a world not from this world. It is a world that is different from this world. Everyone in the kingdom of God will live according to the rule of that kingdom, for the interest of that kingdom, and for the glory of the king of that kingdom. So having eternal life does not mean a continuous life in this world, but a completely new life in the kingdom of God. Being saved does not mean that we can be more free to do what we want in this world because we have been saved. We can do everything we want as long as we are saved. No, but living a life that feeds our heavenly citizenship. So it is difficult for the wealthy people to enter the kingdom of God because they have too many possessions in this world. The more they have, the more difficult for them to give up. It is easier for, the, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. However, it is not only the rich men have this difficulty. It is actually true for everyone else including Jesus' 12 disciples. That's why they were astonished at Jesus' saying. And they asked Jesus, then who can be saved? They're desperate. Although Jesus was talking about the rich man, and they realized, no, it is also true with themselves. This is a desperate question. The disciples finally realized that salvation or the kingdom of God is different from what they have been thinking. And they realized that seeking the rich of the world and, and being rich is the purpose of, of, of people's uh, uh, purpose of, of the people of this world. And that's why it is hard for people to enter the kingdom of God. But the answer Jesus gives them is the good news. 
when they ask Jesus, who then who can be saved? And Jesus gives them the answer, which is the good news. He says, Jesus says, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter again jumped in and answered and replied and gave his response to Jesus' word. But he misunderstood Jesus' word again. What Peter says reveals that he still regards the kingdom of God as merit-based thing. He says, see, we have left everything and followed you. So what Peter really meant is that the disciples, he and the disciples are not like the rich man. And they are actually better than the rich man as they have abandoned all things to follow Jesus. And that's the thing the rich man lacks. And that's the thing they have. So what Peter missed is that the nature of salvation, the nature of God's kingdom is God's free grace. It is free not because it is cheap. It is free because Jesus paid it for us. But Peter and other men, the rich man, still thinks that he can, they can get the kingdom of God by their merit, by what they do. Therefore, Jesus tells them that the kingdom of God has been made free through the body of Christ. So that anyone who believes in Jesus for his salvation will be brought into the kingdom of God free. It is not based on what people did, such as leaving all things behind, or making much sacrifice, or even following Jesus. What really matters and what Jesus is really looking for is why. Is why people do these things. Jesus says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. What does Jesus mean by this word? The, this is a reply of Jesus. On, this is a response of Jesus to Peter's word. The main difference between Jesus' word and Peter's word here is the purpose of the act of leaving all things behind. Peter was thinking that leaving all things behind would qualify them for the kingdom of God. And Jesus was saying that you should leave all things for him and for the gospel. What Jesus has revealed here is the nature of the gospel and the nature of the kingdom. That is, Jesus is actually everything. We cannot have heavenly blessings by skipping Jesus, by skipping over Jesus. Or we cannot just use Jesus to obtain some heavenly blessings. We can only have all the heavenly blessings in our union with Christ. The problem of the rich man and the problem of all disciples and the problem of all men 
is that we want to have eternal life without Christ or just by using Christ to obtain eternal life. That means people are still trying to get eternal life by their effort and good works, by the means of man, not the means of God. And you know, little children who do not have riches, who are not able to contribute anything good, who are despised, and they can enter the kingdom of God, the most religious and virtuous people in this world. And even then the disciples, just because of their childlike trust in Christ. That's why the first, which means those who think they're great and they, are, and they will be last, and the last, who are considered like children, who are considered nothing, who are considered as little ones, and they will be first in the kingdom of God. Because the the, the way of, of, of obtaining the kingdom of God or the way of entering the kingdom of God is different from the way of this world. And we believe, we thank God. And we, now we, we today have heard this message and have seen this truth. And let us have that childlike faith in what God has revealed to us in His Word. And we are, and we will be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for your Word. The Word is precious, and your Word is truth. And by your word, and we can see the true nature of the kingdom. And we forgive us. Sometimes we try to qualify ourselves by our effort and good works uh, for the kingdom of God. But what you really require is our childlike faith in what you have promised, in what you have said, and for in what you have revealed. Father, please give us that such a such a faith. And we thank you and we love you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let us now stand and respond to God's um, word by 